Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. The following program contains topics particular to the LGBTQ plus community. Some discussions may contain mature themes. As such, listener discretion is advised. This is Pride Connection, sponsored by BlindLGBTPride.org, otherwise known as BPI, every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. on ACB Media One, and shortly after on all your major podcast catchers. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Pride Connection in the year 2022. This is our second full year of doing Pride Connection. So we just want to take a moment and shout holla to everybody out there who's been following us for these past two years. We are a twice a month or every other week podcast that you can find on ACB Media and wherever you catch your podcasts. Having said that, I am here with Gabriel Lopez Cafati, president of BlindLGBTPride.org, the same website you can use to find out information about us or to join us. It is membership season, so if you'd like to join us, now is the time. But Gabriel, hello. Give us your short president's message before we get into the topic at hand. Yeah, welcome. We're very excited. It is another year, and the Pride Connection is here, uh, bringing you uh, some time to mingle, learn, and have fun. Well, we do all that. Today, we have a very, very interesting topic, and we have amazing guests, all part of the BPI family. Like Anthony said, this is membership season. We are renewing uh, memberships. Please consider joining us if you haven't done so. And if you are a member, please consider renewing your dues so you can continue enjoying all the perks that we have as an organization and supporting our mission and vision and moving forward the intersectionality of those of us who are blind or visually impaired members of the LGBTQ community and part of the greater ACB fleet. So let's dive right into the topic. All right. Well, we have a great topic for um, everybody to listen to. And we are going to be talking gender expression, gender nonconformity, non-binary, and what we do in our in our daily lives to express who we are or what we felt for a while, a while that we couldn't do to express who we are, et cetera, et cetera. But before we dive into the topic at hand, one of our allies, a member of Blind Pride International and a name that really needs no introduction, Mr. Roy Samuelson decided to join us for a few minutes so that he could tell us a little bit about what it's like working in audio description with um, pronouns like they, them, with um, gender non-binary characters. And he's looking for some feedback from our Pride Connection listeners. So welcome back to Pride Connection, Roy. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's uh, Roy, he, him. What's going on? You know the topic at hand. And before we actually got to recording, you were telling us how four or five years ago, you never would have uttered the pronoun they or them in an audio description script. And now it seems to be 
really, really ramping up in, in the awareness and the conformity to understanding that people aren't just built into the boxes of he or she. So can you tell us a little bit about that and what kind of feedback you're looking for from our audiences? Yeah, sure. And I think you kind of set the stage uh, earlier with that intro saying about the intersectionality. One of the cool things that I'm really enjoying is that the they, them pronouns in the singular form are in audio description scripts when there's a a character portrayed that is non-binary, that does identify as they, them, the character. And also, in most cases, the actor playing that character. And uh, particularly in the last few years, as more of those actors are being included in the stories that are being told in film and TV, What's happening is our audio description audiences are exposed to that kind of language more often than people who don't listen to audio description. I think it's a really fascinating angle to be able to to have those experiences. First of all, to get the audio description script to include those singular pronouns as they, them, and how that can be most clear to our audience, particularly when uh, they walk into a room or uh, they pick up a uh, a piece of paper, whatever is happening that the audio description track is is uh, describing, to have that become so familiar. And it's so exciting. <laughs> it's like uh, just in the last uh, few months, there's been several characters that have been identified as they, them within the audio description script. And the question is, it seems like this is yet another opportunity for trans actors to reach our audiences. Obviously, Blind Pride International seems like a really good fit. To be able to to reach them and say, would you please talk about uh, your experience as an actor and also know that because you are an actor in this film, there's a carryover effect that our audiences are now understanding the they, them pronouns in a way that they might not have had an experience before. So it's just a really exciting time. So there are two huge series that we can shout out immediately, Um, the Sex and the City reboot and Just Like That and um, Star Trek Discovery both have made enormous strides interweaving they, them characters into the fabric of their scripts. Are there any others that we should be taking a look at that come, you know, off the top of your head? Sure. Uh, I, I'm assuming the Fab Five on uh, Netflix, the the remake guys. Queer Eye, Queer yes. Eye, yeah. <laughs> so like, <laughs> that's right. They do have a non-binary and they have an asexual person too. And that's such a popular show. It's so heartfelt. There's so much going on and it's documentary style, right? You know, it's like a <laughs> reality show, but there's something about that kind of familiarity that I think our audiences who use audio description are getting a lot more used to. So if our listeners out there know of someone or are someone who identifies as they, them, and working in the industry, just rattle off the podcast sites and your sites and the Facebook pages that they can reach out to um, before we get into the main conversation. Audio description discussion group on Facebook. Uh, theadna.org also has a presence on Twitter and Insta and Facebook as well, as well as, uh, well, why not shout out Blind Pride International since we're listening to you guys. Let's, uh, I don't want to put this job on you, but it's like, let's, uh, let's see if we can get some connections there. It's really exciting times though, regardless of how this happens. Let's go on a little fishing expedition, see if we can find some they, them, uh, actors and figure out how we can, uh, we can connect with them. Before you go, can you introduce our first panelist, the individual that you've been working with offline? a lot lately. This is Roy Samuelson, they, them. I'm a gay actor and audio description narrator. I'm honored to be here to introduce the illustrious, the talented, the super technically savvy and recently computer upgraded Byron Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
Roy, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Take it away, Barry. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I cannot say how much I've been enjoying seasons three and four of Star Trek Discovery. And my goodness, so much diversity in that show. We've got people of color. We've got women. We've got gay characters. We've got non-binary, non-binary characters. We've got trans characters. I mean, it's so diverse. We even have aliens. I I love Star Trek and always have, but man, Star Trek Discovery has kind of found a warm place in my heart. And I was a critic at first. It was so dark and so gritty uh, and so different from the hopeful Star Trek that I started with. It has kind of refound its hopeful roots and it's just turned into such a good show. So tell us, Byron, how do you identify and where do you consider yourself on the rainbow right now? Gosh, you know, that that's a really hard question because I think we're always sort of discovering ourselves, always sort of uh, growing. I think when I first started coming out of the closet, I identified as bisexual. And then I learned what, what a pansexual person is. And I went, you know, that really fits more with who I am. It's not so much that I love men and women. I love people regardless of gender it doesn't matter what's in their pants you know if i'm attracted to you i'm attracted to you regardless of what that is so that's my sexuality but my gender identity that's an even harder question because i don't feel like i exactly fit into the non-binary i i don't feel like i necessarily need to use they them pronouns but i know that i'm not 100 masculine presenting i don't consider myself to be 100 a he him So I'm still working on that one. I think maybe I fall in the uh, category of genderqueer. I still use he, him pronouns, but I'm perfectly happy to use they, them, or she, her pronouns. I really like it when people actually ask instead of assuming. Um, And depending on the day and the Mm -hmm. comfort level of the person I'm with, you know, if I'm with Gabriel and Anthony and they ask me, hey, what are your pronouns today? I would be happy to say, oh, today is a she day. (laughs) He day, you know. So I'm going to introduce our other guests and swing back around to you, but before I do, I'm curious, and I hope you don't smack me upside the head when we are finally in person, but what do your nails look like right now? They are a glorious purple lavender color right now. It was the first set of, um, they make these things called nail polish strips. They're made by Color Street. And yes. Apply them to your fingers without having to do any like brush strokes or anything. They're just mm-hmm, like sort of mm-hmm. stickers. They were hard for me to apply because, you know, hand-eye coordination issues. But uh, last night I did my nails myself, took about four hours and wasted a lot of nail strips, but I got them all on there. <laughs> so I'm pretty pleased with myself. I'm going to go with Melissa, um, but I'm going to let her tell you her story. Melissa, welcome back to Pride Connection. Well, thank you very much, Anthony and Gabe. And uh, I can't stop. Byron's introduction. Sorry about that. I I identify as a, a trans woman and my pronouns are she and her. And uh, I've been slowly progressing in my uh, coming out over the last 15 years or so. And now I consider myself to be totally out. The last time we spoke with you, you were still living with one foot in each world. Is that fully into the she world or are there still moments where you, you identify as, as he? No, I'm I'm 100% in the she world, but just like Byron, some 
sometimes there's a little bit of, I don't really object if I need to be uh, in the he world for whatever reason, for brief periods of time. And, you know, I have to admit when I'm hanging around the house here, I'm just wearing uh, sweatpants and a sweatshirt. So I guess, you know, you could call that the uh, the he, she world, if you will, you, you know, kind of androgynous clothes. But uh, I basically am mm-hmm. totally out. And uh, that happened really since my divorce that I was, I'm free to be myself. And how has the ACB community taken to the she side of you and now the the full transition? I'm going to be honest here on the show that there's there's some people in ACB that are so supportive. They people I didn't even know reached out to me when they found out. So there's that there's on one side. Then there's the other side that unfortunately don't hear anything from, and I think they kind of shy away from it. There there does seem to be both extremes for the ACB community, but overall, I've actually I've never had a problem with any ACB member. Some people have been a lot more reaching out to me than others, and. Uh, uh, it's it's been it's been rewarding. Especially, I made some new friends by coming out. I made some new friends, which is great. Absolutely, and we're so glad that you're a member of BPI. I'm going to put you on the spot for one second because I think it's really important for the community at large to hear from someone. You know, those that kind of backed away, that you know didn't have anything negative to say. Thank God, but aren't in in the daily you know sphere of of Melissa now. Is there anything you want to say to them that, you know, once they backed away, how it made you feel or or where you are now because of, of their backing away? Well, I encourage them. I'm the same person that they've always known. I'm no different uh, just because I present differently. And, uh, you know, obviously you listen to my voice. My voice doesn't change one bit. That's all I can say is I'm the same person and I hope you would, you know, accept me uh, as is. And I'm happy to educate anybody that wants to know it. And, you know, I think a lot of it, uh, Anthony, might be that there's still tremendous confusion between sexual identity and gender identity. And I think that some of the people in ACB might be a little mixed up in that. And I'm always happy to explain that to people. And you can always point out all of the um, pronoun conversations that we had last spring and summer. Um, they are podcasted on the ACB media website. So if anyone and is we will have some more. And, and it's not only within the ACB community, the community at large, uh, people still, there's a lot of education that we still have to do. And that's one of my favorite topics to educate people in the difference between sexual orientation and gender identity, because they're uh, two separate things, like you mentioned, Melissa, and and that is something that people need to understand. Uh, We understand that uh, it may be new for many people, but just because it's new or unknown, uh, don't shy away from the topic. As a matter of fact, support your loved ones and and, and ask questions. Don't be shy. Well, we're going to transition again to our last guest and one of our newer BPI members. members we are so yeah. very, very thrilled that um, she or they, I believe it's she though, decided to join us this evening. Destiny, tell us a little about yourself. I'm Destiny. They, them, she, her. I'm embracing they, them. I'm kind of at the gender questioning, leaning more towards gender queer. I don't mind being identified as a woman necessarily, but I don't feel like I'm fully woman. But then I also sometimes wonder, am am I overthinking gender? Um, Am I just a woman who doesn't meet meet all the norms or am I partially like more than a woman? And I kind of feel like I'm in that gender expansive, gender queer space. I've been slowly but surely like in safe spaces using they them 
my sexual identity is I'm asexual. I do think I might have some romantic interests though. So I'm like pan-romantic, which I romantically can be attracted to people regardless of gender. And it's demi. So usually it takes me a while to, uh, like a personal, a deep personal connection has to be formed usually first. That's kind of the identity of me. And some of it is in flex, especially the gender. I've been thinking a lot about it lately. So this is a great place to start the conversation. And I want to say to everybody out there that's listening, anywhere you fall within the spectrum, there's a place for you in Blind Part International. We have allies. We have supporters. We have transgender. We have gay, bisexual, lesbian, and just about anything you can imagine. We have it here. But not only do we want you to be part of our family, we want to extend this conversation out. Here are three representations. And of course, Gabe and I will tell a little bit about our stories a little later on. But we have three representations and they're just a tiny little drop as part of the rainbow. So if you want to be a part of this organization and you want your story to be heard, please reach out and let us know. As we said earlier, it's blindlgbtpride.org. Somewhere along the way, I'm sure we'll um, change everything and get the queue added on, but it costs a lot of money to do websites and stuff. So don't beat us over the head yet. We're working towards it. The first question that I'm going to ask each of you, and we're going to build a story tonight, is when did you realize that you didn't fit the she or he mold the way it looks to most of the world? Um, Destiny, you go first. I didn't realize that it was a moment until reflecting back on it but growing up I don't know exactly how old I was but I know from a very young age my mom was always about like having me have long hair brushing my hair braiding it curling it I could handle that more than the braids and the ponytails I hated the braids and the ponytails part of it because it was like pressure on my head and it kind of hurt even even when I tried not to do it tight (laughs) it would just get annoying and I would wind up with all sort like tender spots or headaches and I just never liked it and I never liked my hair down because it would blow into my face but also just like it was mainly that that aspect and like I would always growing up when I there was a time I cut my own hair and my, my mom was so pissed she was so upset that she like she still says one of the like the bad things that I've done at a uh, day of the dead event. She's like, my granny asked the icebreaker question of what's the wickedest thing you've ever done. And I came up with something that I did as a little kid. And I was like, well, I know one bad thing destiny's done. Cause I'm usually known as the innocent one in my family. Although it's far from the truth. The only area you could say that's completely true in is sexual, but I know some terms. So even that is like, even though me, so I still know terms. So I don't even know if I can claim that one. <laughs> What's innocence anyway, really? But she's like, she cut off all her hair. And I was been thinking a lot about how even when I did that, and I had to frame it in a way of, oh, it's just because it's easier to take care of. It always felt like, I mean, that was true. But the reason it I felt more I you. Kept, yeah. You know, so I would appease my mom when I would get my hair cut. She finally let me do it short. But she was like, Jordan would always be like, you look like a boy. So I would always tell the, the hairdresser, give me the most short but feminine haircut. And it wasn't nearly as short as I like to go. Even right now, this is not really my legs. I'm fine with a buzz cut. I can, like, rock a buzz cut. I don't think I'm completely masculine, but, like, there's some things, like, 
if I, I don't think I would ever have the resources, but if I had the opportunity to take my boobs away for free, I'd be fine with that. I already have low female hormones anyway, but like, I'd be fine with never having a period if it didn't have any other effects on my health. I don't think I'm a man. I know I'm not, but I feel like I'm just a, either a woman who doesn't fit the stereotypes or I'm just not a woman and I'm genderqueer and I'm kind of embracing that identity more genderqueer non-binary I don't know whether or not to use the term non-binary because I know some people think of androgyny and I'll never be fully androgynous there's things I enjoy about being of looking feminine I love dresses as long as they're comfy they have to be comfy and plus my body will always be gendered because the way it looks size that's another thing I've kind of had to come to terms with I'll always be gendered because of how my body is your body Melissa is gendered up for a certain way and your mind and feelings and soul are gendered up for a different way. So what was the transition like for you? When did you first realize you weren't quite a he, him personality? I am a very late bloomer, although looking back, I should have known. It was actually about 2003 that I became a cross-dresser and that's where I thought I would fall into the spectrum. But as time went on, I realized, and it's fairly common for this to occur with with people, is that there was more to it than just cross-dressing. And it was about six or seven years ago that I really started to realize that it's more than just putting on the clothes. It's who I am inside. Ever since then, I came out to a few people as a cross-dresser before that, but I would say maybe 2014 is when I really discovered that I am a trans woman. And I started to come out to friends and came out at work and all that. Uh, all that. that being said, following up on what destiny said about the body my body is definitely male like there's nothing i'll be able to do about it i'm six feet tall and weigh over 200 pounds and uh, that's the way i am and so i i do the best i can to present female but i realize that you know i'm you know i would certainly not wear three inch heels because that would make me even that much taller but Actually, what kind of happened is when I started to come out, I got such support from my close friends that I came out more and more and more. And I really realized who I was and it really feels good. Now, looking back, I can say the signs are really there that I was trans from a very young age and I was just clueless. And looking back, it's like, oh, well, I missed the opportunity, but we all can cry over spilled milk. But, you know, like every Halloween, I'd always dress as a woman and things like that. And thinking back to my thoughts and things like that, it's it's always been there. But and I'm, I'm fairly content with where I am right now. I'm always worried about my appearance and vanity and things like that. And I'm still working, working that and getting used to being full time and, you know, with the long hair now. And, and I think one of the common misconceptions that's, that, you know, persists within, you know, the world at large is some form of, but how didn't you know? Or, you know, why did you hide it for so long? And I think that people don't understand that every journey is different first and foremost. And secondly, that Yes, it is entirely possible not to understand and not to, to realize it within oneself because we were not given representations of that in the media, in literature, in movies and television, et cetera, et cetera. So 
if you weren't exposed to it in any other way, it's very likely that you wouldn't know until you got to that place where it was so bubbling inside you that it had to come out some way, somehow. And for you, it sounds like it started with cross-dressing and you thought, oh, okay, finally, okay, this is it. And then you realized, oh, no, okay, maybe there's a little more. I got to figure out what that is too. Is there anything you want to tell the listening audience about that piece of of the self-exploration puzzle? Yes, actually, because when I was growing up, LGBT really was didn't have the acceptance that it does today. And I'll talk from the from the trans side of the world is that it's only been really in the last 10 years, I think, that transgender, trans women, trans men, or genderqueer, all the various classifications, quote unquote, that we're talking about this evening, came out and became more mainstream, if you will, and out of the closet. And I think that May actually, now that we're talking, I've never really thought about this before too much, is that my coming out kind of was in parallel with that. The more I saw in the world Mm -hmm. that I wasn't by myself as a trans woman, the more it's like I felt comfortable coming out. It was a very slow process and it, it happened very, very slowly. You know, I now know that I was, I have been my whole life, but just didn't realize it. I think a lot of folks out there think that you have to hate your body. You have to feel trapped, et cetera, et cetera. On that kind of spectrum of the conversation, do you hate your body? How do you feel now that you're as comfortable as you are with being Melissa? No, I do not hate my body. And that's an excellent question, Anthony, because you're right. It's, it's Sometimes it's common with uh, transgender folks to hate their body. It is what it is. I've had some uh, uh, serious medical problems, a couple of bouts with cancer and things like that. So I kind of appreciate what I have in terms of a body. So I'm, I'm not ashamed. It, it, is, it is what it is. Sure. Do I wish I was more feminine? Sure. But I, I, do, not, I do not feel trapped because uh, my entire body is just part of me. Whether trans, gay, lesbian, whatever uh, you identify as, everyone out there, what Melissa was saying a moment ago made me think of when, when, when people ask, why did it take you so long? Or don't you think you, that you changed somewhere along the way? No. The thing is that, especially in the past, we were taught growing up as kids that this is wrong. So, you know, myself, I put myself in Melissa's shoes and I and I experienced the same thing in a different uh, perspective or in a different identity. But I experienced the same thing because I knew I was attracted to boys. I felt something um, as I was in my teenagers, but I repressed that, and, you know, I, I, I had to hide it because I grew up learning that it was bad, that boys like girls and Another, another very, very important point. You know, your your body is unique, and 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 the more we steer away from the preconceived boxes, we the more the happier we're. Everyone, humans, we're we're all gonna be because you know that that comparing ourselves to the perfect feminine body or the perfect masculine body. You know, our bodies are perfectly shaped it's it's just that we're unique and and melissa like you said you know you're not you don't hate your body you're not trapped you're just unique 
Absolutely. That's one of the big topics that I love to talk about if I feel comfortable with the people is body acceptance, also a fat activist framework. And if you want to read more about size acceptance and body acceptance in general and get a gender um, gender's perspective, read Belly of the Beast. It's written by Black trans non-binary author named Des Sean Harrison and I was thinking about gender but not wasn't giving it too much thought before then and just kind of pushed it away but after reading and also discussing that book so much opened up to me around my own gender journey um I want to ask Melissa one more question before we go back to Byron when somebody gets it wrong how does it make you feel when you redirect them and they don't want to accept it? How does it make you feel? And when you redirect them and they do accept it and they lovingly address you and, and lovingly fold you into their life as Melissa, how does it make you feel? Because I think it's really important that the audience out there at large understand that there are feelings attached to all this. It's not, okay, I woke up today and I want to figure out how to get the most attention. So, you know, I'm going to be Melissa today. Please, you know, expound on that a little. I'm very understanding if someone isn't educated and doesn't know and inadvertently calls me he or him. And if I correct them and they apologize and, oh, I'm very sorry, and then they, they at least try, that's totally fine with me. It's obviously they haven't been exposed to it. They're they're totally, totally good with that. Now, I have had time where people are malicious and they purposely don't recognize my preferred gender. And it happened in a restaurant, actually, with a waiter. And it was horrible because it, it just... People just weren't recognizing, or this particular gentleman wasn't recognizing me for who I am. And it it was a horrible experience. What generally happens, though, with me is when I meet strangers, it's nothing. For example, I could be, I go to my local town green and sit on park benches with my dog in the summer wearing a dress. And people come up, talk to me as as if I was just wearing, you know, shorts and a t-shirt. It's nothing. And that's what happens to me the majority of the time. People just accept me and, and start talking to me. And that, in one respect, that's kind of the most uh, rewarding acceptance there is, is that, you know, I don't care who you are, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you. And that, I kind of like yeah. that the best. When someone does not, you know, recognize you for your chosen gender identity how does that affect you for the day or you know in general oh it brings it definitely brings me down there's absolutely no doubt about it it's 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 hurtful to me i feel hurtful and i think when somebody refuses to recognize who i am i think they're they're being hurtful themselves and it does and i come home many times like you know oh this was a horrible day and I almost kind of like question myself beyond that point now it's horrible and if anybody out there ever thought of doing anything like that, please don't. Just keep your mouth shut. If you, As wrong as I think this is, if you can't accept me, just go about your business. Don't, you know, don't say anything or, you know, that waiter that time that we you know, refused to call me a, a woman or a she. It's like, you know, don't call me anything then. Just say, you know, can I get you a cup of coffee and just leave it be because if, if you know, don't say anything unless you have something nice to say is kind of what I how I feel about it, because it does. It hurts. Thank you for being raw and vulnerable with us. Byron, you've had a very, very interesting journey between here on Pride Connection, Sunday Edition, being part of uh, Next Generation of ACB and Blind Pride International of ACB. I, I have to wonder, first and foremost, 
if you hadn't found your way to us, if you hadn't found, you know, the discuss groups and the chat groups that we have and, and the programming that we have, would you be where you are right now without that? Was it something that was inevitable? It was happening anyway, or would it have taken you a bunch more years? And now that you're here and, and, full of fabulous lavender fingernails. What do you want to say to the world about the journey that you're on? So, yeah, I would say I would definitely be a lot further back in my progress if it weren't for the BPI and the support of friends, if it weren't for the acceptance and the love that I have been feeling from so many people, everyone from my closest friends to coworkers that are just totally so happy for, I just had a conversation today with a coworker um, and they just said, you know, I'm so happy that you're discovering who you are, that you're coming into yourself and that you're not letting fear dictate, you know, how you present yourself. It's been a it's been a pretty awesome ride. I had a lot of fear. Who am I going to lose? Who's going to be upset with me? Who's going to think I'm a pervert? Who's going to think I'm weird? What kind of secret horrible thoughts are they going to have about me even if they never say them to my face? And sure, I, I'm sure that there are some people out there who think I've gone off the rails or think that I've taken a wrong turn and I've just gone weird. But overall, I would say my my experience has been a pleasant one, a positive one. And the fear that I felt for all these years was really unfounded. I, you know, my, my family was the thing I was the most afraid of losing. Yeah. And they have all been very accepting. Sometimes they sometimes they'll say things like, well, you know, I can't be so rigid about it anymore. It's almost like it's normal. You see two guys kissing on television and it's like almost like it's normal. Or they'll say things yeah. like or things like, you know, I love you and everything, but you know, just don't don't fly like a bunch of rainbow flags and stuff. Like just don't be so I mean, you just gotta be careful because the family's watching. And it's just like, okay, so do you accept me or not? So there there has been some stumbling blocks there, but overall it's been pretty good. I just wanted to kind of comment on something that Melissa and Destiny said. So Destiny was saying earlier that they're not sure if they're just thinking too much about gender. It's confusing. I would say people who are cisgendered, who are not in the uh, alphabet ma mafia. For one second, for those who may not be familiar with what cisgender actually means, let's give them a quick definition of cisgender. Sure. So someone who um, identifies as either male or female and they were assigned uh, that gender at birth. Thank you. Uh, no matter how educated we are about these things, like sometimes we're going to say it wrong. Uh, sometimes we're going to misrepresent the the information just because it's it's hard to it's hard. People say, this is so confusing. I can't remember to call you they, them, or I can't remember to, to call you she if that's what you've decided because it's just too many things to remember. You think you're having a hard time coping with all of it? You know, I'm still figuring out my gender. So I want to ask you all three, there seems to be a, a free pass for the really beautiful folks out there. And if they want to play with gender, if they, you know, I mean, a perfect example would be David Bowie and Madonna. They got to be and do, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, Madonna and David Bowie both took their bows and arrows and slings and rocks and whatever, but ultimately they're part of that elite, pretty avant-garde phase of society. But for normal folks, it's not supposed to be this way. What, you know, what is attitudes like that? How does it hinder or help? And what do you feel across the board about being judged on your choices and, and your expressions of gender because it might be quote unquote in or fashionable right now, or it's the thing to do. So for me, even if I were to 
be as androgynous as possible. Short hair. I'd always be seen as a woman because of my boobs. But also, I'm also fat. And I use that word neutrally as a neutral descriptor, like short, tall, thin, or fat. And there's levels to fat. This and each comes with their own level of discriminations they face or acceptance or whatever. But the point is, because of that, I'll always be saw as woman. Big belly, maybe if I didn't have boobs, it would be a little bit more noticeable, but I wouldn't have a flat chest. Even as, like... My mom, like, I'm thinking back to her about the hair. She said, when I talked to her one time about, like, me being more girly, and she's like, it was was never the girliness for me. I mean, I did want to be able to do your hair and all that. It was partially that. But I also wanted it to frame your face well. To be perceived as feminine. Because long hair will hide your perceived flaws and things like that. That's why I say gender with the body is so different in so many ways especially in the African-American communities, can be seen as more masculine because of maybe how their bodies are done or vice versa. Or, and sometimes we can be non-gendered, um, even though no one would use the words non-binary or androgynous. Because even when people think of androgyny, it's a certain kind of look. It's the yeah. intentionally no real fashion and just like sweats. And if I'm a, you know, if that person going out into day-to-day life not in the circles that I know that I'm accepted, but I might be so sloppy, just a sloppy woman, just because I'm wearing sweats and no makeup and, oh, she doesn't care about herself. It's a completely different ball game. Do you think that the aesthetically, and I'm saying this by the the what's presented by the media and, and what we what we are seeing and shown out there, do you think that the aesthetically pretty get a much easier deal than normal folks do in, in these terms? Yes, absolutely. Because if we're not even talking about discrimination, we're just talking about being noticed more. Your soul is desirable. So then if you do decide to change things up, it's, you also have an easier time because you can just, you know, cut your hair and not wear dresses if you want to look manly and maybe maybe do something with your face if you want to get real into it. If they get an easier pass. They can pass off a different gender so much easier because they don't have to put so much effort in. Melissa, I agree with everything Destiny said. And just look at your television. And let's not talk about actors at the moment. Let's just talk about news and sports and weather and things like that, the people on TV. You won't find, quote, not too attractive, unquote, male or female on TV. So the answer to the question you asked Destiny was, I think that if unless you're pretty or considered to be handsome or good looking in general, you're absolutely behind the eight ball because society wants to see and television is a perfect example. They want to see, you know, the visually pleasing people. The other thing I like to say about this is, I guess, and this is sad to say, misery loves company. A close friend of mine and I were talking, and this she is quite heavy set, and people make comments to her about being fat and how wrong it is for people to, to say that. And it's, it, it, it extends more to, than the trans community. It's just people in general. And so sometimes I go out and I want my appearance to be really great and all that stuff. But if I'm walking the dog, I'm not going to put on makeup or whatever. I'm going to, you know, wear sweatpants and 
sweatshirt. And I hope people aren't saying, oh, look at that person. They don't care about their appearance. But I'm sure people are thinking that. And I think that that's something that our audiences need to understand, too. You know, we're not living in the life-size version of West Side Story. You know, we don't all get up every morning and make our face and go into wardrobe, et cetera, et cetera. We're not getting the lighting checked. You know, there are days when we just want to throw on whatever we got to throw on, walk the dog, grab, you know, the gallon of milk and get back to our house. It doesn't take away from our identities. And it also doesn't negate the fact that when we want to get pretty, so to speak, that it's some sort of farce or it's some sort of play acting going on. Because yesterday I was walking the dog and grabbing the gallon of milk and I didn't have any makeup or anything going on. Exactly right. And that applies to all all society in general, I think, that people are always making judgments based upon your appearance. And so, of course, in the trans community, that's amplified by a 100 times because many times... I won't present as a woman, I'll be androgynous. And uh, it just makes the, the whole thing more difficult, I think. So Byron, you've been very open about your discovery and how some things work and some things don't. Are you still receiving in your, you know, in your friendship circle, in your personal life, like, hey, you know, you're going to have to pick a lane at some point. You know, your nails are pretty today, but, you know, are you going to come next Christmas with a dress or that kind of you know, they don't quite understand and aren't willing to delve deep enough to get where you are right now. I've been lucky in that I've received minimal amounts of that. I think immediate family is where a lot of the sort of hesitation and uh, misunderstandings come from. I made a conscious decision at Christmas time that I was going to wear these cute owl socks that were pink to Christmas and no one said a word about my socks and I didn't go any further than that. I'm just starting to kind of get into nails. So I haven't had to deal with people like being upset with my nails yet because I've just started doing that in October and haven't done that around family. But no one's like said pick a lane regarding my sexuality or my identity. And so that's a good thing. The thing I like about painting my nails and kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier about is it easier for people who are quote unquote pretty? I don't have much hair left. I'm bald and I look pretty masculine when I look in the mirror. But the two things that I enjoy about myself is my voice is, you know, not really super masculine and it brings both happiness and pain and displeasure because when somebody calls me ma'am on the phone, I feel an initial reaction of I'm not a ma'am. But then there's like this weird feeling in the back of my head of like, hey, they thought I was a ma'am. They thought I was a woman. That's cool. And so it's like a mixture of anger and, and euphoria at the same time. My nails, that's the other thing I like about my, you know, my body. I can't see my face or really the rest of my, my body when I look at my hands. I have relatively feminine looking hands. And when I paint my nails, they look even more so. And so, you know, it brings a bit of euphoria, but I'm sure that it upsets or confuses or distracts some people when they see a guy that looks very, you know, relatively masculine. I don't have, you know, I'm not a muscly guy. I'm kind of fat too. But, you know, a guy that has, you know, five o'clock shadow and was, is wearing mostly masculine presenting clothing and he has, you know, lavender nails. I'm sure that's confusing, but it, it brings me quite a bit of euphoria. And I don't know, maybe even a little bit of enjoyment in confusing the patriarchy. I, I would like to ask the three of you to describe yourself as the world at large would see you and then to describe 
who you'd like the world to see you as. What would you look like if Janie could come out of the lamp or the fairy god she could come and wave the wand and you'd blink in the next second, you'd be exactly what you want to be. And it might be only for tonight, but can you give us those two comparisons? Because I think it's really important for our, our audiences to understand that what we feel inside sometimes doesn't necessarily manifest with what we see from the person, from the outside perspective. Um, and we'll go backwards this time, Byron. I am 5'6". I am about 220 as far as uh, weight goes. A little bit pudgy. I have no hair on the top of my head, but plenty of hair in all of the other places. If I could change my appearance and you know take away a few things, I would love to have a full head of hair so that I could dye it or style it or grow it out or cut it short or do all, I just want to do all the fun things with my hair. And like my hair is just, you know, there's nothing I can do with it. And, and I feel like I would look weird with purple hair dye in my almost non-existent hair. So that's one thing. And then I would like love to take all of the body hair from everywhere else and make it just disappear. And I don't deal with that because it's a chore. It's I've tried, it you know, like, <laughs> that stuff. It's a pain in the butt. I mean, literally a pain in the butt. And so I don't really deal with it. And I wish I was better at managing it because I, I have complete disdain for my body hair. And of course, I would love to lose like, you know, 50 pounds. That'd be great. Melissa. If I could snap my fingers and change to whoever I wanted, I, I would say an attractive woman. And I hate to, I don't mean that to sound superficial at all, because, you know, beauty is in the brain, in my opinion, at, at my age. But at least then I would have acceptance and I would be, you know, living life as a female and not having to deal with a lot of these issues that I'm going to shift and say that that really is the secondary thing, because I really do believe that beauty is in the brain. And if I could snap my fingers, the more what I'd really like is everybody to accept everybody the way they are. Destiny? If it just had to be appearance, I would remove my boobs just to see what I would look and feel like and see if I liked it. Part of me would say if it was just appearance wise, I would want to be thin enough to not be discriminated. But if I could change it, I would just get rid of all weight stigma. I'm 4'11", around 300 pounds, short black hair, it used to be brown. And that's what I would do, um, is just experience life without boobs for a night and see if I like it and see if that's part of me or not. That's basically about it. And make people more accepting. And like people truly see the gorgeousness that I see in myself. Because like God bless. I I love love that. I love the three answers. When Anthony was asking the question, I was gonna say, Oh my God, my 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 preferred body (laughs) would be I want a six pack, but I don't want it to go away tonight. I don't want to keep it. <laughs> I agree. Let's, I, let's I remind the folks out there that I met you when you had a two pack going on a four pack. And now we've got a whole cooler full and you and yes. myself both included. So I'm, I'm not pointing any fingers, um, I but I love you <laughs> 10 times more today than I did when you had a four pack. Thank you. One thing I just kind of wanted to point out that might make people feel better about how they feel about their bodies is that, you know, the way you look at other people's bodies, uh, when you find someone who is attractive in your eyes, may that be because they have the body that you're attracted to, or they Mm -hmm. have the brains that you're attracted to. So, you know, you can look in the mirror and say like, oh my God, I hate my fat face and all that, you know, but... But somebody else doesn't see you the way that you do. You're your own worst critic. And and most of the time, people see the things, the good 
qualities that rise to the surface that you don't always see in yourself. Oh my God, yes. To all the folks out there who may be questioning where they are in life, what do the three of you say to folks when they look in the mirror at 2.30 in the morning and it's just them and that bathroom mirror and that one light bulb? What do you want to say to those folks? Melissa, you go first. Accept yourself for who you are. That we all, we all don't look our best at 2.30 in the morning. And you're a human being. And guess what? You're not going to look your best all the time. And I know that I look at myself in the mirror at 2.30 in the morning and say, ugh. But it's, it's, I, I, almost everybody I know will do that from time to time. So it's just, you have to love yourself before you can love anybody else. And it gets back to and that. Before anyone can love you. Yes. Right. And that, that's what matters. When you look, in, look into the mirror, you want to say you you know, you love yourself. Destiny, how about you? I believe two good places to start is look up and research and read books on fat activism. Even though that might not be your experience, it will also teach you a lot about body acceptance in general and also the health at every size movement. There's a lot of things that talk specifically about body image as well, but I have some critiques of that term, so I usually stick with like the body liberation or body acceptance and fat acceptance models of stuff because the term body image bugs the crap out of me because to me it's not all image it's the experiences I face as well that's one thing and also maybe start with the idea of trying to be neutral what do I like about myself what am I okay with I don't feel one way or the other about and realizing the body is the home for the soul, if you believe in that kind of thing. Like, your body is the home of your experience. So thank it for what it does. Even if it's not fully functional or doesn't look the way we want it to, we're here, we're breathing, we're having experiences. And those experiences wouldn't be the same without our bodies. So that's kind of, I know that's kind of mushy, but that's kind of... No, no it's beautiful. And I'm thinking beautiful. to myself, I've never had the opportunity, you know, I'm, I'm almost six years now. I went to blindness. I've never had the opportunity to look on your beautiful face. But I know if God gave me sight for five minutes and I was blessed with being able to look at you, I would see a beautiful, accepting, warm, face-filling, eye-filling, joy-radiating smile out of you. Just when you speak, you can hear the smile. In your personal opinion, what is your favorite feature about yourself? If I'm going to say bodily, I, I definitely think my skin. Because even though I have like eczema and psoriasis in some places, I also have extremely clear skin. So I rarely suffer with acne. And so in certain lighting, it just really shines. And then also I enjoyed my hair. When it was brown <laughs> and now that it's black, I, um, I enjoy my hair a lot. I don't really focus on that as much. Like I focus on getting rid of systems that harm the body, like based on like system of oppression more than I do appearance. I believe every person is magnificent with bodily, inside, outside. We all have our own unique magnificence. I forget where I heard it. And one person talks about reclaiming not beauty, but the word magnificence. And I really fell in love with using that word. Yes. So when we're looking in the mirror, we're always looking for the negatives. And like I said earlier, we are our own worst critic. I would say just 
realize that's what you're doing. You're looking for all the pitfalls and all the bad things and all that. As far as my favorite parts of my body, I mentioned earlier how much I used to hate my voice because it never changed. And then when I started thinking about gender, how thankful I was that it, that it is the way that it is. It's a toss up between my voice and my eyelashes because I have these just voluptuous long eyelashes and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I have those. <laughs> Speak to everyone out there from where you are in life right now, from everything you've been to up to this point, talk to everyone out there about the next person that they meet that doesn't conform to what they feel is male, female, appropriate, non-appropriate, et cetera, et cetera. Speak to the parents out there who may just weeks from now hear from their child that they're non-binary or, uh, you know, androgynous or they're gay or lesbian or they're transgender. Speak to those folks that don't understand. Tell them what your message is. First of all, I want to say to all the people out there who are newly discovering themselves, I love you for who you are. Wherever you land on any of the umbrella, you are loved. You are appreciated. Don't ever lose sight of that. To parents, your child, whether you saw them as male, female, whether they identify that way or not, they are still your child. And development takes time. And to be honest, they're being true to themselves. So what you need to do is accept them. Above all, unconditional love is so important and healing and gives meaning to life. Please accept your child. And the last thing I was going to say is, even if you feel like you don't meet all the qualifications, whatever those elusive qualifications are, no, your identity or your discovery is valid. Even in the middle, even in the liminal spaces, the uncertainty, my voice, I'm, I might always be considered woman, but I know that I might not be fully. And that's cool too. Or wherever you are, it's cool, except people where they are. That's beautiful. Thank you. Melissa? Okay, what I would say to the general public is the best thing you can do if you run into anybody who you may question who they are, treat them as you would anyone else. I would The best compliment that I can receive from anybody is just being treated as if I were anyone else and no, no special treatment, no questions, no stares, no anything. Just please yep. accept me for the way I am. And when it comes to parents, uh, destiny hit the nail right on the head. You know, you, you have no choice if, you're, if your child is, is any, any one of the categories we've been discussing this evening or anything else, as a matter of fact. They are who they are. And the most important thing you can do is accept it because if you don't accept I've gone to tons of workshops and and learned a lot about this. It's going to cause so much harm. And I don't really think there are many parents out there that want to cause harm to their child. And please accept them and 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 work with them on uh, they explore their identity, whether it be sexual identity, gender identity or, or whatever. Work with them and accept them and, and assist them to become who they need to become. Byron? So I would say, you know, to parents. You have to learn to let go of the expectations that you had when you decided to bring a child into the world. I'm sure that people hope that their child is just like them. I, I want my boy to be a baseball player and be a mechanic just like me. Or I want my daughter to be a successful businesswoman and uh, do their hair just like me. You have to learn to let go of those expectations. We do it for our children when we're skinny and they come out fat or when they come out with a disability or when 
when they turn out to like video games and electronics and not sports. We accept those things about them. We move on and we honor their their differences. So why is it that when it comes to sexuality and gender, it's so hard for parents to let go of those expectations and just let their child be who they are. Learn to let go of your expectations and love your child unconditionally, regardless of how they came out differently than you expected. God bless. Amen. And kudos and all the all the positive words I can say to all three of you. Gabriel, this has been an amazing conversation. I am so glad that we're opening up 2022 been. with this. Are there any thoughts that you want to leave our folks with as we close out tonight? Uh, everyone has been so eloquent that I just feel that the best advice I can give to families and friends of people who are going through the journey of self-discovery is remember that when you do not agree or you do not quote-unquote approve, it's more about yourself than about the person who's going the journey. I've experienced it in my case. My family does it because they want to protect themselves from reality. And that's very unfair. It may come from a place of love, but it's very unfair because you lived your life. So now you need to let your child and your friend, your cousin, your brother, your sister, your sibling live their own life and live it to the fullest. So as we close out tonight, I just want to say that there are ways that we present. There are ways that we represent to the world who we are, whether it be our dress, whether it be the way we speak, whether it be how we present our nails or the clothing that we wear. But ultimately, when it really comes down to it, we all have the same choice. And that choice is, do we want to see what the person is presenting or do we want to see who that person is and who that person is is their mind their heart and their soul and if gabriel wants to be a six foot two flowing blonde haired viking goddess or a five foot four warrior filled with muscle carrying the battle axe i don't care what he presents as he's my partner he's my best friend He's the soulmate that I've chosen. And I want to pray that everybody out there listening today decides that it doesn't matter what the expression is. It matters what the heart and soul and mind of the person is. And when we decide that these things no longer matter, that we get to choose, we get to identify, we get to express the identities that we are inside. And that whether or not it's in a dress in heels or combat boots and cargo pants. It doesn't matter what the presentation is. It's the heart, the soul, and the mind of the person that we need to really focus on. However we choose to express ourselves through our gender identities is valid. It's wonderful and it needs and demands to be respected just like every other piece of our human experience. Across the board, It's all about love, honor, and respect. And if we honor the person how they ask us to be honored, that's all that matters. doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what they sound like. They've asked us to take an honor and respect them for that honor. And that's what we need to do in this life. So thank you so much for listening to Pride Connection. This is just the first in a series of conversations that we're going to have over the next couple of months. So please come back every two weeks and see Pride Connection. Thank you, Anthony and Gabe, for your wonderful support and acceptance.
And thank you all, not just Anthony and Gabe, the panelists and BPI. And I just want to end on my thing with it. Yay, we did this great thing. And I feel <laughs> so happy right now just to be with all of you. And, we um, are happy to be with all of you. We're so happy right back with you. Thank you all for being my friends. I love each and every one of you. Just be yourself. Please check out www.blindlgbtpride.org for more topics from Pride Connection, how you can be part of our movement. And we hope to see you very, very soon on another Pride Connection or at our live programming. Good night. You've been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind Pride International, a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. Please check us out at blindlgbtpride.org. 